town of Alfield, old stranger one finally. It's episode 73. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. That's uh, Coulter Wall. New album. Cover a big, cover a big iron. Kind of neat, eh? Yeah, it's neat. It's good. I like how it sounds. He has a good voice for it. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I was going to let it play in the background there. You cut us a little short. Sorry. Cut us off quick. Distracts me. <laughs> my brain's too over the place. Yeah, you had a... Uh, I guess I just better get right to Second it. day of my hangover. Yeah, and you had quite the weekend because it was your brother's stag party. The Golden Boy. The Golden Boy stag party plus his best friend's stag rolled into one stag. Oh, a double stag. Yeah, so there was I like 20, was 26 dudes, two houseboats. And, and one a lot hell of, of a time. <laughs> a lot of drinking. Oh man. You I brought ninety I brought ninety six beer with me. Oh gosh. Don't have any left. <laughs> how gone. many did you drink? Like how long you left on Wednesday and today's Monday. So like it was I almost started a drinking full, Thursday. Almost a full week of stag party. <laughs> well it well, like so my one of my really good buddies, Scott, came to town on oh, yeah. Sunday. The and week, where's, the week where's before. Where's he from? He's from well, we both grew up together in Nakum. We grew up seven miles apart and then he lives in Vancouver now. So him and his girlfriend were traveling around. Like they drove out, and then they were in Saskatchewan for a bit. And then yep. she was driving back to Vancouver. So Scott jumped out in Calgary and hung out with me for a few days. And we had a pretty big Sunday fun day. And like kind of every day was a bit of like shenanigans until we left for the stag, and then <laughs> right into the right into the fire. And man, it was wild. So it did was, did somebody else not bring beer for you to bring ninety six and not have any to come home with or? How many well, I just drink? like there were there was some, but like just all the beer that I brought was gone. Like basically, what happened was everybody brought their own booze and just threw it in coolers and just drink free for all. Yeah, and uh, so we got to get on the boats early on Thursday night because we didn't get to set leave till th- till Friday morning. And man, my brother and a couple of his other buddies were up at like six a.m. in the hot tub. We haven't even left the dock yet, and they're like 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 super drunk, like just having the best at time of their lives. Six a.m. Six a.m. They had this big speaker on, like. I woke up at probably eight or nine to go like grab some ice from the convenience store and like get things rolled up for us to head off to where we were going to. And then they had this speaker playing WAP, <laughs> wet ass pussy, and I could hear it from a acro- I could hear it from across like this. This is probably like like I don't know like like, four, like three or four hundred meters away from the boat. Like I could oh hear this, this song playing and like. There's people launching their boats to go fishing for the day, and, and like, like then there's these, just these three guys at like seven a.m. just like full on party mode. Like <laughs> it was wild, man. It was crazy. So I probably I probably smoked like more cigars. Oh, and then we started off with a golf game Thursday. Oh, during the day. During the day, and that was insane. Like some guys got run over by golf carts. Some like some people were driving on the greens. Like it was bad. Were like, there yeah. any broken bones? Uh, one of my, uh, the my buddy who got hit with the golf cart like was had a bloody nose. But oh, he was okay. Bad. But there was like people were arm wrestling on the like on the tee boxes and like just really? then we ended up having to do a playoff putt off for the championship of our four man scramble. That's pretty cool. But no, it was it was a great weekend. It was good to catch up with some old buddies and what did the golf people think of you? Guys? We were like we, like in, all in all, everybody was pretty respectful about, aside from a couple of things. But they were happy to have us and we were having a good time and it was we was our pace of play was good because we didn't like drink scramble so. No, it was it was all it was all it was well. We had like a costume contest and stuff, so it was fun. You guys had some sweet get up. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was a good. Uh, it was a fun weekend, but definitely the eight hour drive home yesterday was not fun. Oh, I would guess not. Yeah, it no, was, this one's like a ten hour drive. It's yeah, really eight and a half. Far. Eight and a half. It's very far. Yeah, it's far enough, man. It was it was a big rip. So who drove more on the way home? My dad drove dad? the whole. My dad doesn't let me drive, but oh. like for whatever reason in in my family, <laughs> I have this reputation of being a shitty driver, which I'm not. 
I've been on the road more or at least the same amount as my dad, but on more than anybody else in my family, like given all, all the miles I made rodeoing. Yeah. But for whatever, I don't know what reason <laughs> behind this is that I have I'm such a terrible driver. Between him and my dad, I don't get to drive very much, which is fine. I don't care. It's they want. Did drive, you sleep on the way home? No, I couldn't sleep. Couldn't. You're too hungover. I, I have the like Still after drunk. a big weekend of partying, man. Like I have the worst sleeps. Like I just. Yeah. Like I got home at like nine last night. Yeah. And I played video games for a bit, and then like I couldn't sleep. Like I didn't go. I stayed up till one, and then when I was like, "Can't hey, turn the lights off. I'm going to sleep." Like I just tossed and turned, and I was up at like seven. And oh man, yeah, it was. Uh, that is not fun. No. So usually the the, to the second night after, I sleep a bit better. So we'll see how things go. See how it goes tonight. Yeah, but all in all, good weekend. Everybody's safe. We got our damage deposits back. Word. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good, man. I was, I'm glad it's over. It was a stressful ordeal planning a. Stag pretty much on my own for 26 dudes. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. big undertaking. Yeah. So good times were had. Did anyone fall off the boats? Like, what What was the best <laughs> yeah, boat story? Actually, I, I have some videos I'll show you. There's <laughs> Man, so like the one day it was like there was a two boats because we had to get two for all the people coming. Who and had like, to ride? Who was the driving the boats? So we only drove the boats like twice the weekend to where we were going to and then back. We could have drove around as much as we want, but two guys volunteered to drive us out to this beach so we could kind of yeah. get everybody's hair and then just be crazy and play spike ball and do all this crazy stuff. So yeah. we had two drivers, which was fine, but it was only like an hour and a half, two hour drive to the beach. Yeah. But then, so like, the one, I think it was a Saturday. Um, there was kind of there's a kind of like a nighttime and a daytime party crew. Yeah, and so I was part of the nighttime crew. So like during the day, I was kind of like chills, having like chilling out, having the hot tub and like whatever. And then <laughs> there was like the daytime crew, like morning slash daytime crews, like my brother and a bunch of those guys, and they're like on the other boat, just going crazy. Like they're like <laughs> river dancing on the one platform, and like <laughs> there was like people were butt chugging, and like people were like <laughs> like doing doing flips off the top of the boat, and like. Dang. There's one guy, there's like a flat platform and then it goes like a kind of a ledge and then down into the water slide. And one of our buddies like slid across this platform and tried to go onto the slide and like ended up falling off the side of the boat. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man, it was so funny. And then there was like one of the nights, some guys like it, we're, we're, we're partying and some of the guys like were trying to jump off the boat and our one buddy just slipped and fell off the side and like almost mucked himself out. <laughs> man, and then we like the, the last Saturday night I think there's a group, the nighttime crew got going and we were like, listened to that screaming cowboy song probably like <laughs> 17 <laughs> times in a row, man. We were, I, you probably saw my Snapchat story. From, oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. I did not. It, it was wild, man. It was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, there's there a lot of good good stories that come out of it. We'll leave Dang. it at that because it was a stag party. So Dang. Okay. Yeah, it was good times. Good times. I guess I guess summer's over already, hey? Man, it's crazy. It's kind of like, it seems like, like March seemed to have like drug on for so long and now yeah. it's... And then we got hosed in August. March was not March drug on, and then August just was like, okay, well, hey, I'm here, and then okay, bye. It was literally like okay, April bye. April first, and then it's now it's September. September. Yeah, yeah, literally, I go back to yeah, I go back to school tomorrow. Yeah. And, but man, it was it was a good summer. I, it was nice to kind of have a change of pace. Yeah, from different, what eh? we're used to. Yeah, I think I was talking to somebody, and this is the first summer in 14 years that I haven't been into like to a rodeo or something in the in a summer so yeah it's, it's kind of a you didn't crazy. go to one did you no, yeah not didn't. even one no i was too busy sending my bike down mountains and <laughs> doing fun stuff that way so it was yeah. good it was good to discover something new that i really enjoy and got yeah. to see spend some time with friends that i don't usually get to spend so it was fun oh yeah what was your summer highlight covid summer highlight probably all the golf i really enjoyed the golf so you got I, your membership worth eh? yeah i'm at 45 rounds and then well today's wednesday i'll be out again today so 
That'll be 46. I wanted to get to 50. That was kind of a goal. Yeah. See if I could do it. And then see if I still wanted to do it after that. And there's been some days where I didn't really want to golf. Like probably only golf like four or five times in August. Where I golf like 15 times in May. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's kind of like the way golf right. goes sometimes. It's like yeah. they just, they, there's weeks where you just want to hit it and golf like every day. Yeah. And there's some weeks where you're just like, ah, I don't want to golf in a week. Yeah. Yeah. I took a couple weeks off in August. Like I only would, I'd go a week in between. And it kind of was nice to get like a little bit of a mm-hmm. break. But, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed golfing a lot. Uh, Storm and I went out to BC one weekend. We liked that. Uh, you know, well, it was I, a big change of pace for you as well. Like, oh yeah, huge change of pace. And then, it, like, it gave us time to start the merchandise for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. been there's been uh, good things and bad things, but uh, but yeah, we, we, our merch is in five stores now. We just brought on. Uh, I'm not sure when we, when we talked last, but right, now there's we're only in, two last time we talked. I think. Yeah, so now we're in Western Stockman and Lethbridge. They've got a bunch of new stuff as well that just came in. Uh, Cowboy Country in Nanton, branded in Vermilion. Uh, that's three. Then we're at Irvine, Irvine Tack and Western Wear, Crossfield, the biggest Western store in the country now. And Austin's. Uh, and Austin's, yeah. Battleford. Brothers in, in Battleford. So we got five stores. And then, yeah, if anybody else wants to come online, give us a shout. But if you haven't seen the stuff yet, check it out. Cowboyshit.ca. We'll, uh, we'll make sure to have the new stuff ready by today's show. So by the end of this show, you'll be able to check out Cowboyshit. Fa- hot fall drop coming. Yeah, the fall drop is... Uh, is now live. I guess it's a, it's a good time to do it though, because this is like Check when all the out. fall fashion is happening. Yeah, back to school. Yeah, yeah. so we're gonna do kind of some pre-order stuff with some stores if we don't have the stock, and we got some more stuff coming in, and yeah, we're just kind of make it work. And let me tell you what, this new stuff is dope. It's sweet. Yeah, it's sick. It's they, pretty Ted Storm did a great job of it. Mostly Storm. I just did the hats. Yeah, well, we did everything together. Collective. Yeah. Team teamwork. And yeah. I, actually, there's a girl in Chicago that has all, that did all our designs. Eh. So teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. So yeah, check out the new stuff. Uh, um, the last thing I got to get into that I thought was awesome was that you said there's actually girls on Tinder that oh are <laughs> that are on dating apps that actually listen to the show and they ask you about it. I think yeah, this yeah, is yeah. It's breaking it's, development. This is big time. And it's funny because that's that's where the the messages just stop after that. Like, are you Wacy <laughs> from Cowboy Shit? And it's like, yeah, I am. Like, and I'm, I'm the guy. I just say something funny. It's I'm like, oh, it's, not, it's nice to know that people actually listen and that kind of stuff. And then they and then just they just don't ghost you. But I've had like probably. Really? Four or five different situations where people have reached out or like said really that, mentioned that yeah no that's kind of cool so it's not a good thing though apparently I it must not be that like they must <laughs> listen to the show and think that I'm like this really good like conversationalist and interesting guy but then I had to message them and like try and be funny and you got to get them on the phone you just like yeah, yeah. call me <laughs> yeah here's my number give me yeah. a call <laughs> yeah so that's kind of how that's my but it's it's just cool to like get recognition of from people you don't even know and like yeah. i was telling you before we started recording like seeing the hats i've around. seen so many people like wearing hats and t-shirts just in random snapchats and instagram stories so it's, it's cool to see our circle of people or a group of people getting behind yeah what's thanks going for it's the really, support it's so cool thanks for the support everybody it's awesome that you guys are buying the merch and helping us keep building this thing up so we can keep our keep it rolling we got a couple big shows coming up we don't know who we're gonna have on them yet but 74 and 5 are coming up the next month 75 yeah well and that ties into kind of how we just hit 100,000 downloads yes exactly yeah it's huge like, th- like it's, yeah. it's crazy to think that like when we started this three years ago now almost yeah damn near that we I would be that we would point. actually keep doing it until now yeah <laughs> and get pretty decent at it we have some pretty yeah. and huge guests have a couple. like Larry the Cable Guard on the on McLean like we oh yeah had it's some big good, fish been a good been a good run so far you know Jess Lockwood, world champion, two times. A few people have been on the show. He's coming back riding the bull again here soon. But uh, I guess that's probably good enough for the top. So you got another song for us here, and then we'll uh, we'll get to our interview this week. We're back with our guest, Justin Felisco. 
after this. This is episode 73 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm lonesome but happy. Rich but I'm broke. And the good Lord knows the reason. I'm just a cowpoke from Cheyenne to Douglas. The ranges I know, cause I drift with the wind. No one cares where I go. All right, our next guest has been serving as a senior writer for the PBR for the past four years. He has also been involved with the sport for over seven years now, with vast experience across many different sports, including the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. Welcome to the Cowboy Shit Podcast, Justin Felisco. What's up, guys? Long time uh, no see, for sure. It'd be, it'd be cooler uh, if you could... Talk about this for a long time. It'd be cooler if you could hear the music, but it's, just, but it's not in your headphones. It's probably not on your phone, so you don't... It's not as cool that way. So yeah, there's like music playing right now, and I'm climbing into the chute. <laughs> Basically, essentially, that's what's going on. Yeah, kind of the same thing as if you're if you're bull riding, right? Like, there you go. Right, exactly. It's good. It's all make believe. You guys are saying you're playing music. Yeah. I'm saying I'm getting on a bull, but neither are probably true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wacy, start us off. Nice intro. What do you got? Uh, I guess for a lot of people, like they see you as the as your senior writer for the PBR, like what, how did you get, find your way to the PBR as a guy who traditionally didn't grow up in like a rodeo family or kind of outside of Western sports? Guy from Connecticut end up in bull riding. I ask myself that question all the time, guys. I have no idea. <laughs> no, um, it all started basically, uh, college in 2012 and I was working for USA hockey in Colorado Springs. And basically, I was running out of money. I was doing an internship with them post-grad, um, very low pay. And uh, the internship was about to run out. And I had no money to drive back east. So I was kind of stuck out here. And the PBR had this job opening for an editor, copywriter kind of deal. And I saw it winter time, And I kind of brushed it off as like, yeah, okay, bull riding. Like, that's, that's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to do that. And sure enough, the spring came. I still had no full-time job. The bank account was starting to dwindle. And I was like, you know what? I better just apply for this job and see what happens. And here we are. Eight years later, somehow I've yet to find another job, I guess. Or I've come to love it. And I would probably say I love it more than I'm looking for a job. And so was sport like always the kind of goal for you coming out of school? Like you wanted to be working in sports kind of moving forward? Oh, for yeah. For sure. It was one of those deals where, I mean, I'm, everyone jokes at the office now that I'm kind of the grandpa that still reads. I probably have a typewriter at my house and I smoke cigars when I write my stories and file them to the newspaper. But uh, that's been me for a long time. Um, kid growing up, I used to read the New York Times every day in school and I would toss the news section on the floor and, and go right to the box scores. 
and see what was going on in Major League Baseball or, or hockey or football. And that's always been the dream to write and report on a Major League sport. Now, did I expect it to be bull riding? Hell no. Of course not. That was never in the cards. That was never the plan. Um, but at the end of the day, what I wanted to be was I wanted to be an insider or the face of some kind of sport and bring fans inside the locker room. Um, so maybe it's not the Islanders or it's not the NFL, but the PBR is definitely a major league sport in the Western space. And I am super honored and humbled to have the opportunity to be in this sport as an outsider because people could have turned me away not being a former bull rider, not knowing the sport when I first showed up. So I don't take that for granted. It's a huge responsibility, and I've come to really love and appreciate the sport. What what pays better, bull riding or hockey? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess for me it's bull riding because uh, when I worked in hockey, um, I wasn't making as much as I am now. So I guess the nod goes to bull riding. Right, talk about your uh, evolution as a PBR fan, like starting off as somebody who doesn't really know much about the sport to where you're at now as kind of the most trusted insider in the in the game it's listening um when i showed up this was supposed to be a six-month pit stop i was still covering college hockey here for the local newspaper in town i was writing about division one prospects that were going to go play in the nhl the pbr was my nine to five job i'd work on the weekends and then every other hour of the day i was covering high school sports or i was trying to cover some college hockey event and my first year at the pbr I, I worked with Keith Ryan Cartwright, longtime PBR insider, and really kind of the pioneer of the position for the sport. And for a year, I learned from him. I didn't directly realize how much I was learning in the moment, but I can look back now and say that first year was kind of my, for fans in the U.S., that was my kind of redshirt year if I was in college, right? I'm sitting on the bench with my no-contact jersey. I'm not really going to events. I'm not learning much, hands-on. But I'm sitting in the back corner, and I'm watching Keith. I'm reading Keith. And sure enough, I've spent a year just learning all this history about this sport. When I first showed up, guys, there was this bull called Bushwhacker. And everyone said he is the most badass bull in the world, right? And I'm like, okay, this is pretty sweet. David versus Goliath. No one's ever rode this bull in 42 outs since, like, Marcus Merluch or whoever the last guy was before JB. So I sit down for my first event at home. I'm watching on, then I think it's PBR Live. And this JB Mooney guy rides Bushwhacker. And everyone's freaking out. And I'm like wait a minute, this is the most badass bull in my first event. This guy rides him? Come on, give me a break. No way. Um, clearly, I was wrong then. Clearly, Bushwhacker is a badass and the greatest bull of all time. Clearly, J.B. Mooney is a badass and maybe the greatest bull rider of all time. So I've learned a lot since that first event, but I always laughed at my first event I ever watched at home was J.B. riding Bushwhacker. It's not a bad way to start it off either, I guess. No, and you could probably say that maybe I have not seen a greater moment since then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the sport itself has evolved a lot at, through your time with the PBR, too. For sure. I mean, you think about where the sports come from 13 to 2020. Um, we saw the, the revolution, I call it, of the World Cup now becoming the Global Cup. We've seen the PBR dabble with a team-style competition this this past summer um we've seen a whole new generation of superstars come in with cooper davis jess lockwood kaiki pacheco jose vitor lemmy and the approaches have differed as well right jb was the last guy i'd ever see at the gym when i was traveling to events but i can count endless amount of times where i've seen joe say get on the treadmill 
or I saw Jess Lockwood stretching. It's a very different approach, but the sport continues to evolve. And there's so many different guys and champions now that you can't predict who is going to be the champion for future years. It changes so fast. Like when I first showed up too, it was the Mooney versus Alves rivalry. And I would have told you Silvano was going to win five or six gold buckles. And very quickly this sport, things change. And it's exciting, but also crazy to think that when I first came around, you couldn't buck off JB or Silvano for the life of you if you were a bull. And right now, those two guys are struggling to get qualified rides. It's uh, the changing of the guard, like you said, isn't it? Like, it, it definitely is a different uh, different game now. And those guys are, like, JB is, what, 33 or 34 now? Like, he's had a, he's had a long career. He's on his way out now, really. You know, it's, it's crazy that JB's not as old as people think. I mean, yes, he's, he's up and now he's 33, right? Um, but you look at some of the greats in the sport, like an Adrian Marias, who won his last world title at 36. Galeri Marchi was riding into his late 30s as well. So it can be done. But JB is just, he, he went through so many injuries, and he'd always come back so fast that you probably could add on another five years to his career, even though he is in his kind of early 30s. Um, could we say that father time is knocking on the door? Sure, but JB has had so many big moments in his career that you never want to rule the guy out, and you won't hear me say the guy's done. Um, but it is interesting to see just how much of a struggle it's been for him since that injury in Calgary in 2017. That, that could have been another world title year for him if he doesn't get hurt in the stampede. And again, same as Silvano Alves, right? One injury can change anything for these guys in this sport, and we've seen that with two of the all-time greats. And and with with JB and I'm I wasn't saying that he's he's done. I'm just saying that he's, I guess you you would call it the twilight. Like he's in the kind of the the last few years. Even at 33, the longest he's going to ride maybe and be at this level is maybe another three four tops. Like to that 36, 37. Like even even 33 really though is 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 getting kind of along there in the bull riding world really there's not a lot of guys that ride at this high level that long right no you're you're spot on there and it's i always get i don't want to say defensive for jb because he does not need me as a non-bull rider to defend him but these past few years we've seen so many fans want to question what jb's doing who cares if jb is still riding like i understand that you know you don't want your personal memories of jb to be the guy that's maybe a top 25 bull rider instead of a top five world champion but i don't want the guy to walk away from the sport right now selfishly he makes the sport more entertaining for me and i'm not gonna let his struggle these past few years change his legacy or change what i think of him as a bull rider i i want him to stick around because i want to see him make more memorable rides and that's probably selfish of me to say that because you know i'm not the one getting on the bull and i'm not the one hurting my shoulder or breaking my leg or anything like that but I always find it interesting that fans want to rush him off to retirement. And I'm like, why? What's it matter if he's here or not? I think it's worse if he's not riding because then you have no chance of seeing another Mooney history-making kind of ride. So I hope he sticks around as long as his heart's in it. And I think his heart is definitely still in it. And do you think it's more of those memorable rides at this point than the contention for the world titles in 2021 or two? You know, that's, that's a tough question, right? I mean... JB would be the first to admit the return in August did not go as as well as he would have liked. Um, But he told me, and I know there was a social media clip 
was it after uh, Joe Say had road chiseled for 94 points in Salt Lake and he's like, Joe Say's your 2020 world champion. Well, J.B. Ray told me that back in July when him and I were talking for his return because I'd asked him, do you think you can make a run this year at the world title? Just the way this year has been, the points are crazy at the finals. COVID has flipped the schedule upside down. I just asked him point blank because J.B. is never going to say no to a challenge. Um, but he, he did tell me that he felt that 21 could be a top five J.B. Mooney kind of season. Um, what the see if he can kind of get his, his, um, his consistency back for sure. He definitely looks rusty this past month. But, again, he's been out for nine months. Like, he's never been off this long. He's coming off another serious reconstructive shoulder surgery. Like, there's a lot for him to overcome. But I think the more we see JB show up every weekend, and if we see him buck off more and more, he's going to get more ticked off. And he'll, he'll go to the practice pen if he has to. So I wouldn't rule out him making a run. The only problem is the guy he's chasing next year is Joseph Vitor Lemmy. And that guy is going to be tough for anyone to beat. I mean, JB in his prime would have a tough time going against Jose. That's just how good Jose is. And that's not to discredit how good JB is or how good JB was in his prime. So, I mean, could you imagine, guys, if we had JB, Jose, Jess, Adriano, McBride, all these greats in their primes going head to head the same like season? I know it's unrealistic because of ages and whatnot, but to me, it's always fun to think about the guys in their prime, how good they were going against other guys in their primes. Because it's, it's unfair to judge JB now against Jose because there are two different points in their careers. So that that takes us to a question of something we've done on the show previously, where we talk about some of the greatest ever, and we've done it in Canada for a couple uh, for the bronc riding and the bull riding so far, and we had a point system. So this is a couple parts, I guess. So if you were ranking the greatest bull riders ever and putting them up against each other at the same time, uh, you'd say maybe right now or whatever it is, you're ranking them from what they've done in the sport. What would your point system look like, or how would you how would you decide to rank them? In, in our system, we had a hundred points for a world title. Uh, was t- I think ten points for a world finals qualification in the PBR. If you were, it was ten points if you were twenty five to thirty five, and it was twenty points for the top fifteen. Twenty points to make the NFR. Twenty points or fifty points to win the NFR. Um, and after that, I don't think we have any other points. We didn't. We had some Canadian title points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that wouldn't be a issue for you. How, how would how would you rank it? Like, how would you make that list up? What would you? What, how would you compare things? It's it's tough for me to think about a numerical value without really looking at it myself. I, I did see what you guys did. I think it's a fantastic question to pose. It's fun. It's a fun conversation for us to have, and I think that's one of the the great things about a the PBR's growth in these past almost thirty years coming up in a couple of years, but just in general for the sport of rodeo, like there are these bar conversations, right? Where you go to bar, you crack open a beer and you start debating JB versus Silvano or JB versus JW Harris or Joe Saber, Sage Kinsey. Um, all of these great barroom conversations that I love to have about other sports we're now having in bull riding and you can have in rodeo as well. Um, in terms of how I would break down the value, I think you have to look at it in terms of like free PBR and and like post PBR, if you're trying to compare guys in the late 80s to, to to now, it's a little bit tougher, I think, because again, before the PBR was around, the NFR was the gold standard for bull riding. That is where the champions were and the best, the best work competing there. 
and even during those first couple of years of the PBR, most of the PBR superstars were still rodeoing and qualifying for the NFR. So it's hard for me to, to give you a numerical value straight off of top of my mind right now. But I would say that I think the way I value, say, Sage Kimsey right now. I mean, he's a talk of the PRCA, six-time PRCA champion. Um, you, can't, you can't take away a championship in any sport. You just can't. And I give a ton of credit to the bull riders that go up and down the rodeo work. The rodeo run is a very different game than the PBR getting on an airplane. You get on a bull two or three times a week and you have the week off. You're getting on a different caliber of bull. Um, but I don't want to ever discredit what Sage has done because I think he's extremely talented. And I think everyone can debate how good Sage will be in the PBR. I'm, I'm not giving up on him coming over at some point once he does hopefully break Donnie Gay's record. I know that's his goal. Um, we've, seen, we've seen guys like Adrian Marias win a world title in his 30s, win two of them. So I would never discredit Sage's chances. I do think Sage can be a, a top 10 PBR guy. Um, so with that being said, I, I always look at the top 15 PRCA guys I would give them for the NFR probably, I don't know, a quarter of a point maybe compared to a guy that makes the PBR finals. But, again, that's difficult because a Sage Kimsey getting to the NFR winning six world titles is different than a PBR guy sneaking in at the number 33 spot in the world standing. So I think the way you should do it is you break it down almost by tiers. If you're a top five PRCA bull rider, that's probably more so close to a – maybe a top 20 PBR bull rider. Um, but again, though, it's, it's very hard to say because the games are so different. Like, I would not expect – not every PBR bull rider can switch over to the PRCA and make the NFR and the PBR finals. It's extremely tough. What Alan Squaregen has done, Brenna Eldridge, Shane Proctor, uh, J.W. Harris, the guys that have done both, that, that is a tremendous accomplishment, and that should be given bonus points. That's extremely hard. Um, I know I'm rambling. I don't have an answer for you guys, but I think that's the way I look at it is it's such a complicated thing, you know, because you don't want to downplay what some of the top PRCA guys can do. We've seen them come over to the PBR and do well. We've seen Jada Harris have some success. We've seen Sage Kimsey ride four bulls in the PBR World Finals. We've also seen Sage Kimsey struggle at the team challenge. Um, we've seen guys like Brennan Eldridge hop over and qualify for both the NFR and the world finals at the same time. We've seen Joe Frost make the transition. We're seeing Cole Melanson have success. So I think it's so hard to do uh, apples to apples comparison, but I never want to discredit what anyone does in either association because they're both very different games in terms of how you get to the NFR and how you get to the PBR world finals. So, so this, this list of the greatest ever, um, we have there's a few names we could put on put on it right now. Um, if you're gonna compare Sage's six world titles to Jess's two, or Silvano's three or Adriano's three, how would you rate those? Like if we're if we're putting 200 points on a PBR sure. world title and we're putting 100 on a PRCA title, is the competition that much tougher to make it worth double, or is it worth one and a half, or is it worth one and a quarter? Because you're getting on the better bulls every I, week. What, yeah, what would, do you think? I would definitely value a PBR World Championship, uh, if not a lot more, than a pretty damn good amount more Yeah, the PRCA title. Just, just because 
you've got to factor in right now the PBR does have the top bull riders in the world. The, you can say there's probably a handful of guys riding in the PRCA that could probably come over to the PBR full-time and be top riders, right? But the majority of the best bull riders in the world are competing in the PBR. And you also have the majority of the best bucking bulls competing in the PBR. So you've got two increases in competition. And again, it's not to downplay what Sage or what anyone has done the PRCA, because again, I respect the hell out of what those guys have won over there. And so do but we. I do think it's harder. Yeah, it's harder though to win a PBR World Championship, I think, because you have stiffer competition on the bull side and the rider side. You're, you're facing two different beasts in many ways. Um, so I, I would say that if you're ranking though the best PBR World Champion, I always, always, always will give credit to the gold buckle first and foremost. Two best, Adrian Silvano. They've got three. And that, they're always going to be in my top five because of that. And then, they, then you get the conversation, well, you gotta, who are you going to boot out? You got to boot out Shivers? You got to boot out McBride? Or what about Galerme? Like, it gets really tough because we've been around for so many years now. But I will always, always, there's no asterisk for me when it comes to a gold buckle. At the end of the day, Silvano's got three. That makes him one of the greatest of all time. No questions asked. So your top five would be, well, I, I don't. Ah. You, I'll let you. I'll let you he, take some time. What well, do, you do you got? Well, do you think that? Oh, sorry, go to waste. That was that like winning three gold buckles in the PBR is like the epitome of it. Like, do you think anybody will like breach that threshold of three yes. in modern day? But but yeah, Lockwood. But he's coming off like a potentially like career-threatening injury. Yeah, this is kind of a back. defining moment for his career oh. too. Yeah, true. Every record can be broken in any sport. Any single record can be broken. So I would not be surprised one bit if we see Jess Lockwood or Jose gold buckles or Jose for that matter. But I will say though that it, it's going to be tough because right now those two are the class of the PBR and. We saw it with Silvano, right? When he was dominating, eventually JB came out, he rose from the ashes and brought back the world title out of Silvano's. There's, there's always going to be someone capable of challenging another bull rider. And I think the Jess-Jose rivalry, as long as Jess can come back from this career-threatening injury and, and ride like he once did, there's no reason why he can't win four. There's no question or no doubt that Jose could win four. But, I mean, Adriano told me in New York, he thought there's no question Silvano could still win for, which that seems a little bit more like a pipe dream. But, um, yeah, I, I think the every record can be broken. And I would be shocked if we don't see a rider reach four gold buckles at some point. Um, I think guys have been close before. Um, I would have had Cooper Davis winning four a couple of years ago. I really would have. I thought when he's on his game, he can be in that conversation as one of the greatest of all time. Um, but injuries play a factor in it, right? So I, I would say that three is not going to be the record in cement. It will change at some point. What, so if you're comparing Donnie Gay to Adriano Marias, who do you have ranked higher? Uh, that, that's tough just because I personally didn't see either of them ride. Um, and I think it's, that's a hard comparison for me. Um, I, I do think Donnie Gay is up there as, as one of the best, if not the greatest of all time of that era, for sure. There's no doubt, right? What about Donnie against JB? <laughs> Who's higher? Donnie, Donnie Gay? JB? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man. America man, versus America. I, you know you know what this is like to me actually? This is like comparing um the two thousand and twenty Islanders to the night eighty four Islanders. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's kinda like even just comparing it to a quarterback in the NFL that was playing in like the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies and you're looking at the amount of yards he threw compared to the quarterback now where they're throwing the ball a freaking million times more, you know? I think the games are so different now. It's compared Donnie to JB. That, that's that's tough. That's really tough. Um, I think bull riding has grown enough now where you can start to compare generations to generations kind of, but you got to keep those conversations almost within the own, the own generation because the sports change so much, like the point system too. I mean, hell. The way you win a world title now in the PBR is very different than the way you won the PRCA title back then. Well, and, and even there was a few years where with with when Donnie, I don't know if Donnie won it the years when it was just on the NFR, but there were three years of his career where the world Sudden death. Yeah, the world title was decided at the NFR. So it's kind of a different. It, I, 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 uh, I get what you're saying, but we got to make a list. So I got to figure it out. <laughs> so I'm going to need I'm going to need some real answers here at some point, Justin. You guys create create the point system and we'll see what it looks like. Let's see what it breaks out to. But uh, okay, yeah, that that here here's one thing I've learned in my time is the minute I make a prediction, I'll, I'll, my phone will go off and be like, "What do you know about bull riding? You never got on a bull." Oh. So I guarantee that will happen. I guarantee that will happen at some point. But uh, oh man, that's a tough question. Like, but the top the top five conversation, if I'm limiting it to. To PBR guys, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt I'm gonna punt on it, but I I would say that JB, Jess, McBride, Shivers, Adriano, and Silvano are in the top five, and that's more than five guys. So <laughs> I gotta find a way to uh, I gotta find a way some to separation knock, knock one out of there. Yeah, and then and then I'm gonna hear that my phone will go off and it'll be, well, how is Galerme not in your top five? And that, that's. Right, it's crazy now. You can't win for losing. When you try to break down, it's a lose. It's a lose lose situation because you got to knock someone off the the Mount Rushmore out of the top five or however you want to put it. And um, uh, Galerme is one of those guys where you think, man, only one world title, that's it. But he's had such a great career outside of that. Then you got to factor into your to your guys' point system. Well, what's a PBR World Finals event title worth? How does that rank to a PBR World Championship? Yeah, we might we might get to it but we, we might not either it depends <laughs> how big of a list if we're only making a top 10 it's probably going to be almost exclusively on the world titles really because you've got so many people that have won multiple you've got tough humans got two in the prca and one in the pbr and you've got uh adriano with three savannah with three shivers with two mcbride with two Lockwood with two uh then you have multiple multiple uh prca world champions J- jw um harris you know, then you've got Sage. Like, we've almost got 10 there already with, with Donnie Gay. And then you've got uh, – there's probably some other guys I'm totally missing right now in the PRCA. The Ty Murray's won a couple bull riding uh, championships. Two. Yeah. Two and then the and then the seven all around. So And then didn't he, didn't he win the PBR World Finals a time or two? Won the finals. But I, I don't think we'll even get to the finals. I think it'll, it'll, this list, if we're going on points, mm-hmm. it will be almost exclusively on on Finals. world titles. Although if you bring in a – like a if you bring in the world – the NFR qualifications for a guy like Ted Noose – he made the NFR like 20 times. Mm-hmm. How does that factor in, too? Because he got like Tough Rod Hay, never bro. won the world. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Look, sounds like you've got some more questions, so go ahead, Wacey. 
Um, I wanted to talk a bit more about the team format that the PBR introduced earlier, like with the whole COVID thing. Is that something you could see the PBR doing moving forward more of? Um, yes and no. I think we'll see, I think we'll see more team oriented formats, but I don't think the one that we saw in Vegas is going to be, that's not the example, if that makes sense. Like, I think that was a great litmus test for us to see what it could look like and how the competition could be. I would like to see more of the team format um, in terms of coaches having more of a say. The GMs really didn't do anything at this past team challenge. They'd be the first to admit it. Um, I'm not sure personally if I'd want to see like a complete revamp right where it's only team, but I think it'd be a summer showcase again could be really cool. Um, I think one thing I noticed watching the team challenge this summer was the teams were so small that by the time I got into the game, it was over. Um, so I would like to see these teams maybe bigger and have games be a little bit longer. Maybe we have 10 rides per team per game, or maybe it's one game over the course of an entire weekend, and you're seeing more of the ebbs and flows of a here comes a rally in the, the fourth section versus this kind of quick, quick, quick ride, 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 end game and start over. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, the cool thing about the team format was – it brought more of the I need that guy to buck off conversation. And you don't, you don't have that in our sport, right? You're not allowed to necessarily root for another bull rider to fall off his bull. And the reality is in a team format, especially the Global Cup, which I think that's the epitome of team competition and what we all should aspire to see in terms of the competition style and the love of the team format. Um, but you saw guys kind of looking over their shoulders saying, okay, what'd that guy do? Did he buck off? Man, I need him to buck off so my team can win. And I love that part of sports. And I think if we had these teams going for a long time, you would see some rivalries and more of that. All right, now we got Team Cooper Tires undefeated, right? Who's going to slay that dragon? And here comes Team Ariat later in the season. So I think if we had a longer season, some more rivalries could develop, it could be a really cool thing. Do you think in turn that would make the sport more marketable to new fans? Like introducing a team format, maybe. Like, are um, even attracting new fans to the sport? I know, like, for yeah, some people, it's hard I, to follow I, at some points. But if you have a team format, I feel like it would be a good way to attract new people to the sport. For for sure, I I think especially a great example is the Global Cup or even the World Cup because that was an easy to understand format for anyone that was a casual viewer. It was easy for me to tell my friends back east, "Hey, uh, I'm going to the Global Cup in Edmonton." And like, wait, what's that? I'm like. Uh, think the Olympics of bull riding or think world championships in hockey. And they were like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty cool. And that was an easy way to bring in the casual fan. They didn't have to worry about, okay, it's this team of bull riders versus that team of bull riders. It was, hey, that's freaking Team USA and that's Team Canada or that's Team Australia. Um, so I definitely think the Global Cup is, is a super easy way to market to the casual fan. Um, I think the team format just, you know, what we saw in Vegas and Sioux Falls, I think that helps for sure too. Um, but at the end of the day, all of my friends that are non-Western sports sports fans, guys that watch football and hockey, they still are super intrigued by the sport itself. When you tell them that as a guy that weighs 150 pounds, getting on a 2,000-pound animal, that in itself sells the sport. Um, but I think the, the team aspect could lead to maybe more opportunities for sports betting, some more fantasy opportunities. Um, the opportunity for us to have more sponsored elements to the sport, um, leaderboards, trades 
that'd be cool, right? What if McBride could have traded someone during the team challenge to team tires? <laughs> you could do it like a trade trade a deadline show. Have a trade deadline <laughs> yeah, for the exactly. season. That'd be kind of cool. Right? Bull riding Centre. I'd do some free agency stuff. stuff. That'd be kind of neat. So that's the thing. I think that part of the team format, if we ever saw a huge revamp, um, that would be pretty cool to see free agency and trades and all that. But I think we're a long, long way from seeing anything like that. Right now, there's been no talks of a, of a switch or anything like that. Um, but I think you will see more of these team showcases because it is a fun, different way for the riders, A, to make some money and for fans to consume the sport in a different way. The uh, for the team format to work on a regular basis, you would have to have like, if you had a team instead of three guys, you'd have to have probably six maybe, and then you go out of thirty, you'd have six teams at thirty six. But even at that, if you had two divisions, it'd be like you got to have quite a few teams. You probably got to have at least eight teams to really make a go of much of a season, wouldn't you, to make it work? And then you got to have forty per event at. Uh, like at five guys a team to have eight teams, it'd be kind of challenging to make that really fly and have alternates. It'd be the the logistics of it are pretty difficult to make it work on a regular basis right now, aren't they? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like you try to build out bull riding teams, and you think about injuries in this sport, especially could really ravage one team. Yeah, um, there's some weekends where we have ten ten of the top guys in the world out with an injury and then you're you're going down to the reserves and there's there's a drop off from our top tier bull riders to the middle tier to the lower tiers that's just fact and for a team format competition you want as every sport does you want a fair and balanced league we don't want major league baseball where one of the top teams just buying up all the superstars i don't think maybe we do i don't know but i wouldn't want to see that i think to your point it'd be trying to find what's the perfect number and is it 36 or is it maybe only only 30 guys a weekend or maybe it's only 20 or maybe it's 50 and you only have, you know, guys ride one night instead of three days and then they can have time to rest their bodies. But the biggest thing for me for the team conversation is how do you crown a world champion, right? That, that'd be the biggest thing for me. I think that is such a prestigious, historic, you can't take that away from the sport. That will always be the epitome, I think, of bull riding. and. For me, I think like the Global Cup, which what really helped the team format there was the coaches were allowed to match up the riders with the bull. And that led to a lot more rides, a lot more excitement. Um, not this past year as much in Arlington where the bulls just dominated. But historically, we've seen riders perform better at the Global Cup because they're being matched up with bulls that fit their styles. Um, and if you're trying to use that model for, say, a season, it'd be tough to crown a world champion because I think the world champion bull rider has to ride bulls that he's not supposed to ride. And when he does conquer those bulls, that's why he's a world champion. Um, so that'd be to me the biggest thing to solve outside of all of the nitty gritty details of how many riders, how many divisions, what you do with the velocity tour, internationals, all that stuff, right? It's a huge, huge undertaking. Um, but I do think that, you know, it could be fun for a summer showcase. I think what they did in Vegas was a really great, start and hopefully that they'll decide to bring it back in future years but again there's no talk of any switch or anything like that coming what uh what do things look like for the global cup uh in the next year february 2021 on the schedule in arlington right now correct let's get through let's get through 2020 the pbr i will say that (laughs) they are they are busting their tails to get these events up and running and 
Um, I know there's goals to have future Global Cups. Um, I haven't seen any schedule yet for 2021. I know they're still trying to finalize scheduling for 2020. So I will say this though, um, the Global Cup is definitely a part of the future of the PBR and global, the global growth of the sport is a huge priority. And I know it's definitely been a crazy six months, if, if not longer now, since the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemics hit all over the world. Um, but by no means is, is the international side of the sport going away. If anything, I think that's going to be even more important as all of us in the world try to bounce back from this pandemic. I think you'll see a lot of us in the world kind of combine forces, right, and try to do what's best for us as a global, a global economy and a global sport and a global society. So I think, I think it would be really great to see what happens in 2021. I personally would love to go back to Canada. That was one of my favorite, favorite global cups. Um, but again, we'll see what the schedule is for, for next year. Edmonton was probably the best one. Just going to say that. Saturday night, pretty cool. Um, <laughs> another well, a bright spot we could talk about on the uh, from the last six months would be like the PBR being the first pro sport to come back. I kind of set the bar for pro sports returning in this pandemic age. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, again, kudos to Sean Gleason and the PBR senior leadership team for finding a way to be one of the first sports back. Um, I know they put a ton of time and effort into finding protocols and getting government approvals to to provide opportunity for our staff and our riders to to earn a living. So they have been doing a hell of a job trying to make this all work. Um, as everyone has learned, there is no playbook for how to operate a sports league during a pandemic. So again, um, kudos to everything that PBR has been doing to try to give the riders a chance to make a living. To me, that's the biggest thing. Um, as much as I want to provide entertainment for the fans, that's a huge thing as well. Um, for me, we know the, these riders need places to compete to make a living. And to see them have a chance with Vegas and the team challenge, especially that was huge for them. And to see the second half get up and running, that's, that's great for our, our bull riders. What can you tell us about the status of the finals? They're working on it. They're working on it. Um, there is definitely plans for a 2020 World Finals. Um, I can definitely say that. Um, unless Ted has any more PBR questions, I kind of want to shift gears and move into kind of the hockey side of things. You've had a pretty extensive career on that side of the coin. Why don't you talk about how you got involved with hockey and, and that process? Yeah. Um, growing up in Connecticut, the uh, Islanders farm team was was based and still is based out of uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is about a 15-minute uh, drive from where I grew up. And I just became a huge minor league AHL hockey guy. Um, Grew up watching uh, Rick DiPietro for a season or two down there. I forget how long exactly he was there before he had a ton of injuries and cost the Islanders a ton of cap space <laughs> for many years to come. Isn't he that still on great. the – apparently he was, a, he was a great teammate, though. I, I listened to his Chicklets yeah. interview with oh, Gillies, great. and they loved him there. Isn't he still on the yes. payroll? I think he's off now. I think he's off. I think they're still playing. They're still playing payroll. Yashin, though. <laughs> or maybe it's Yashin. One of the two. I'm not sure if they got both off yet. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching guys like Kyle Poso, uh, hell, Casey Zizekas, who's still in the Islanders today. That's a guy I grew up watching when I was in college, I think, more so than when I was in high school. Um, who else? Jeez, I've seen so many. Uh, I remember when Mark Andre Fleury was in the minors and he couldn't win a playoff game, and uh, <laughs> I had a penguin, a stuffed animal penguin, and I used to taunt him before the start of games. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, middle school maybe. That was interesting. Um, I remember trying to uh, give Max Talbot a hard time one playoff playoff run in the minors, and uh, he came over to me and uh, 
there in the warm-ups and kind of slam against the glass. And I don't know what he said to me. And I probably said something back to him. <laughs> and then he ended up scoring the overtime winner. And I think the, the Wilkes-Barre Stratton Penguins, like, either was a best of five or a best of seven. I don't know what they did, but he scored the overtime goal and, like, his team rallied and knocked out the Sound Tigers. And then a couple of years later, he was scoring in the Stanley Cup Finals. That was pretty cool. Well, and you probably would have got um, to watch Ryan Whitney, the Wit Dog, for Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Ryan Whitney. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I will say this, though. I mean, you guys are hockey fans, and obviously you're bull riding fans and rodeo guys. Like, um, There's definitely a similarity between hockey and bull riding in terms of the, the personalities, the athletes we work with. Um, and I think part of the reason why I've enjoyed covering bull riding so much is just because of the fact that I have that AHL minor league hockey kind of background. Um, I know what it's like for these guys to not get the same mainstream attention of the NFL or say the AHL guys, um, you know, comparison to the NHL, um, to give our bull riders and you guys do a great job of this with the podcast and everything you do Ted up there in Canada as well, but kind of elevating the profile of our bull riders to that major league sport aspect. Um, I think it's definitely something that I've always kind of appreciated for our guys that the more we can do to treat them like the pro athletes they are, the better. Well, that's something that you and I have talked about previously is that the way that we, that the way that I want to cover the sport is that it's like any other sport. I think that's important to put us on the same level. Right, right. Exactly. And you, and you have to, right? Like, um, I know there's an audience that will come to PBR events just for the amazing atmosphere and, and to see what it's like, right? For uh, a rider to try to ride a 2,000 pound animal. Like, there is definitely a enjoyment to that. But, I think for the core fan and for us to elevate the sport of bull riding more, the more we can cover it like a traditional stick and ball sport, the better. I think, you know, talking about trends and talking about analytics and talking about strategy, there's a lot of strategy in bull riding that's, that people forget about. Um, and that's a good thing. And I think the more we can elevate kind of what goes into these guys training and how they are trying to be professional athletes, um, that's huge. And that's huge to bring in casual fans. The casual sport fans I know, they, they are interested in the PBR where you break down what the point system is and how you win a world title and how does the championship race. This isn't, this isn't just the guy that shows up on a weekend in the practice pen to make a couple hundred dollars. These are guys trying to win thousands of dollars and win a world championship. What do you think about the points right now? I'm back on the bull riding train, but that's what you know and that's what I know. What do you think about the points? We we've been through like three or four. Is this the fourth, third, or fourth change since? I don't I don't even know when. We've been through quite a few, and I don't know if it's right yet either. Like I'm now I'm lost, and I should know it, but I don't even I don't even know where we're at this year. Um, I'll tell you this much: I've actually come to, I think, understand the point system more now than when it first happened. I I still think there should be. I don't know if it's a bonus for the actual ride score. I, I still have always kind of felt like the ride score should count in the standings. Um, but I will say that as time has gone on, I'm not as obsessed about that notion anymore. I think the idea of using a point system versus money um, probably definitely um, relates more to the casual fan. Um, but again, you've seen money in other sports though, to determine championships. Um, I think the idea of putting huge emphasis on winning rounds is is a good thing. I think if a guy wins a round, that should count more than a guy that is finishing in, you know, sixth place in a round. But I, I do think, though, that 
the guys that ride the most bulls should be rewarded the most because that's still the essence of the sport. But they have um, to ride good bulls, I, though. They can't just hang right, on for and, 65s every time. Right, but, I mean, I get I get shit all the time for this, but, you know, I, I would never complain if a guy turns down a re-ride. Uh, I, to me, if you're playing the long game, it, it can work for these guys. Um, that strategy, I think, still can work. Um, it's very hard now to do what, say, Silvano did the years that he won. But look, when Silvano broke his hip, that was the first year of one of these modified point system, right, where they were rewarding the round wins and the event wins, and there was, you know, less of an onus on what your total amount of qualified rides were. He was still a top five guy. He was still going to go ahead and win the world title. At the end of the day, the guy that rides the most bowls is most likely going to win the world, t- the world title. Look at this past week and then PBR. Jose was two for three and still won the event. If any other guy went three for three, that's game over. So I think we put so much kind of uh, analysis into what the point system is and re-rides, no re-rides, round wins. What do you do? At the end of the day, if these guys just ride their bulls, the guy that rides most will still win the most. I I think it's too complicated right now. Like I know it's only a few points and they, they brought the numbers down, but I like it's to try and reward this and that and this and that, like you're making it more difficult to follow like like i'm a guy that should know what's going on and i don't even know what's happening right now like i'm sorry but like yeah i haven't even paid attention yeah, to lately because it's changed so much and I'm, I'm lost now like i mean i think i think it's got to be more simple thing. i think the, the difficult thing has been we have changed it so many years in a row that's been hard to get used to one system i i will agree with that i think it's been a learning curve for everyone i mean i still look up how many points a guy wins for a round every now and then, or, you know, I still haven't gotten used to the system either. Um, And I'm sure that fans have struggled with it. And I understand that completely. But again, I think the biggest thing is don't worry too much about the points and just focus on the guy. Again, the guy's riding their bulls. That's still going to be, that's the bread and butter of this sport. Um, I focus on really, that's what I focus on. The guy that is, Riding his bulls, what's his event average placement going to the championship round? And if he if he wins that round and he rides his bull, he's probably gonna win the event. And then I'll look at okay, how many points did he actually get and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, it's still bull riding and we can sit and look at point system and whatnot, but it really is still just going after those eight seconds. You start there and then we have fun all of us on our couches trying to break <laughs> yeah. down well. Here's the point system, and here, at the end of the day, the guys don't think about it, and oh, you gotta ride your fans bull. shouldn't stress about it either, because in a day, again, it's still eight seconds. It doesn't matter what the points are if the guy bucks off. Maybe maybe the point sh- system shouldn't even be a system. It's just whoever rides the most bulls at the end of the year wins. I know that it's not very technical, <laughs> but, like, honestly, if you had if you had 80 bulls or that you had to get on or whatever the average is over the season, maybe it's 100 or 80 or whatever it is, you ride for the events and the points and money and whatever, but, like, if you ride 60 out of 100 on the year and the next guy wins 50, rides 59, you could do a tiebreaker on points, really, but, like, why don't we just, like, dumb it down to, like, as easy as it can be? Then you're going to have a lot more opportunity for people to be able to follow when you take away a lot of the other stuff. I, I mean, I'm just throwing something out there, but, like, I, I'm curious to ask yeah. Slade now what, what the what the stats are. I know there's differences between guys that are healthy and not, and if you win a bunch like JB in uh, 15, it was 13 or 15, or maybe both years, 
where he just went on an absolute tear into the finals in the second half. But I bet if you still looked at the numbers, he probably still rode just as many or right close to the same amount of bulls as anybody else. Like, I'd, be, I'd be curious to ask Slade about the stats because I bet it would be pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've looked at it before. It's been a while since so I've actually looked at, you know, who's rode the most. And what. And I'm sure last year, I'm sure Jess probably had, um, I, I'm assuming maybe he had less qualified rides than Jose because of the injuries that he had. Um, I think the biggest thing with the points now is that we've, the way the world finals is, I mean, this year they've added about 4.3% more points than last year. To me, that's the biggest change. And the World Finals definitely has a playoff atmosphere to it. And that can be, to some fans, kind of too much. And to other fans, exciting. Um, you know, it really is now. The World Champion will be decided at the finals. It, that, it's as simple as that. You can't show up to the World Finals and have a poor finals and still win the World Championship. It's just That's just not in the cards anymore. And I, I do think that's a good thing. We don't crown World Champions in any other sport based on the regular season there is this postseason element to it. So with that, I think you need some kind of point system. You certainly don't want to be okay. We reset the whole entire thing at the finals, right? And the guy that wins the finals is the world champion. That wouldn't really make sense for our sport either. So I don't know if there's ever going to be a right answer. I think is, I go back to a couple things. The main thing is, have we all enjoyed the past seven championship races? Regardless of the point system, have we enjoyed seeing Kaiki win, Jess and Jose, Jess is first, JB? Like, we've had great championship races regardless of the point system. If you really think about it. it oh, yeah. It's been a year where it's been like, well, eh, that was kind of boring. It's always still worked out, and that's a credit to the bull riders. They haven't let any of us talk about points and numbers and rides and re-rides get to it. At the end of the day, the race has still been super exciting. And that goes back to, again, it's about riding your bull. All this point stuff just plays into it, but being contention at the World Finals, you've got a shot. I think it's more—it's kind of like a modified—it's a modified playoff. Like your, I like your playoff wording because there's five guys that have a chance, and then basically whoever rides the best at the finals wins the world. So you have you ride for the season to get into the playoffs, and then whoever wins there wins. That's kind of exactly. That's I think kind it's of a it. Good balance. I, I really enjoy it. I'm not sure yet if I enjoy how many points are available at the finals this year, but ask me that in December after this year's finals. Yeah. And we can kind of see how it plays out because I think maybe it's too heavy. But at the end of the day, to your point, I think that's a, it's exactly that. We use the regular season to kind of figure out who are five, ten, how many guys are going to be seven. in contention for the championship. Yeah. And we reset the docket at the finals. And that's exciting yeah. then because – you, you don't want anyone to show up at the World Finals without being able to see an exciting champ race. And I think we're certainly going to see that this year, even with all the wins Jose's had, there's guys still within distance. They're still very much in this race, despite how good and how strong Jose's been. Well, and then you're like a guy like Jess is going to have a chance based on the finals, too, because if he gets in and he's one of those seven guys and wins the shit out of the oh. finals, he'll win it. He could win it. Exactly. Yeah. It's. The golden number this year, the math I've done is 650 points. We used to say 2,000 points, right? You're within that number, you've got a shot. This year it's 650. You could have a shot, an outside shot, if it's like 800 or so. Um, I think a guy can get around 1,000 points this year at the finals. So you look at it that way, what if Jose shows up and he does buck off his first three bulls? The door's wide open, man. Jess earned about 700 or so points 
in this current system if you brought it back to last year. So this this race is far from over. And the, I think the big reason why people want to kind of quote unquote crown Jose the champion is he's just riding so dominant right now that no one expects him to struggle in Las Vegas. But well, you never know. We saw just last year. I thought the race was over. When Jose won the velocity finals and he had that huge lead, I'm like, that's it. Like we can we can just move on to win the finals. And then Jess just dominated. So anything can happen at the world finals. And I think this year, uh, until Jose gets that gold buckle, as Jess said, it's not over. Um, he's still my pick to win it. I think Jose is going gonna, is gonna to seal the deal. He's on a mission. But the way the points are, you, you can't count a guy like Jess Lockwood out of it. Okay, so uh, quickly... What makes Jose so great? I don't think anybody else has rode chiseled away from their hand for 94. That was the same bowl Rubens rode for like 95. Didn't Jess ride him away from his hand? I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure Jess rode him for like 93 last year away from his hand. Okay. Yeah. I could be wrong. Before the finals. The Anyways. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So that, we'll just move along. Uh, other question though is like, we're talking about the points and whatnot, but like if you go back to when Donnie Gay won his nine world titles, he would fly. He is a, he's a pilot. He would fly to every rodeo he could and he'd go to 125 a year. And he would out rodeo some guys. I've been I've been told. I don't know the exact stats, but maybe that's part of the right. money thing in the PRCA where you're like I'm kind of going back to the point system and the and the ranking of who's the greatest by if you look at it that way, then I how do you rank those titles the same when when he had them won before the finals or if he or if he you know just out rodeoed a guy and went to more events where PBR there's kind of a there's pretty much a set amount of right. events you can go a little bit in the summer but they don't count as much. Where the point system's more yeah, of a... Yeah, that is one thing that I, I will say about the, the PRCA side of it is, and that's why it's so hard for some of these PBR guys to try to make the NFR is because you have to be committed to going everywhere. And the guy that rodeos the most has most opportunities to win the most amount of money to get to the NFR, right? So that's a great point. Um, I think that's probably the best part of the PBR is the fact that you know that every weekend... The top 30 guys, unless they're hurt, are going to be there. And it's definitely the – whole, the whole point of that concept is that you're guaranteeing fans the chance to see their favorite bull rider every weekend. You're building superstars that way. Um, but in the PBR, you can, you can push it if you want. Like, these guys can get those points at the Velocity Tour, the Touring Pro events. They go up to Canada and compete um, during pre-pandemic times, of course. Um, so yeah. you can, if you're a PBR rider, if you want to go get those extra peanuts to help your chances at the finals, you can do it. And look, Chase Outlaw last year, that was a big part of him. He went everywhere. He was committed and it didn't work out at the end of the day, but you get rid of Jess and Jose, the points that Chase earned last year were good enough to win a world championship in the past years. So I think there's definitely a benefit to the PBR guy that does put in the time and effort outside of the Unleash the Beast. but Again, to your point, though, I think that's a good thing. The point system definitely creates a quote-unquote level playing field for everyone during the course of the season. Is there anything else you want to add, Justin? I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. We got, If not, we'll just pass it over to Wacy to finish it off, but just want to give you a chance here if there's anything we missed. Um, I would just say, hey, thank you, everyone, up there uh, in Canada following the sport. Um, you guys are doing a phenomenal job up there for the sport of Western Western sports in general, not just bull riding, but I think the fan base up there is phenomenal. Um, I think the bull riders I've met in Canada have been phenomenal as well, too. I 
basically I kind of like grew up in the PBR when Tanner Byrne was down here getting his feet wet. And I can't say enough good things about the guys I've met from Canada. So thank you for not just bringing me the sport of hockey that I enjoy so much, but also just being great neighbors to us in the U.S. And you're all fantastic up there. I, I would love to be in Canada more times than I have been so far in my life. It's always been a fun time up there. You're welcome. Okay, so mine's a bit of a two-parter. I'd like to get a prediction on your Islanders heading into the last part of the playoffs here. Okay. What do can, you they beat, can, um, can they beat Tampa Bay? Well, I wouldn't count Philly out just yet, but can they beat Tampa Bay? I was going to say, we're not past Philly yet, so can't. It's this. I've, I've experienced way too much heartbreak as a sports fan in my life to get, get confident with the Islanders. I almost didn't want to do this podcast because, like, if the Islanders do get eliminated by Philly, <laughs> then we're gonna we're gonna laugh about it, right? Like, oh, yeah, see, spoke too soon. Um, but I will say, in terms of Tampa, if the Islanders can get past Philly, um, I think they got a shot. I really do. This this Islanders team is there's something special about them, and the way they play the game. Some people say it's boring. Some people say it's not entertaining. They are like a snake that's just putting people in a death grip. Extremely and, well coached. And, yes, Barry Truck's phenomenal. Like, um, I think, if anything, he has just been lights out for the honored organization. When Tavares left Toronto, it was like, uh, the world's ending in Long Island. What are we going to do? Did you and burn your jersey? Just, <laughs> uh, no, I still have it, actually. I still have it in the closet somewhere. Um, my girlfriend was very smart. She bought me a Matt Barzell jersey, like, exact day that Tavares left so not a bad trade-off after my birthday yeah it was, it was a good trade-off it's worked out well for the Islanders so I think they can get past Philly and then look if you get to the Eastern Conference Finals anyone's got a shot I think Tampa will be their biggest test so far outside of Philly because again they didn't beat Philly yet guys they gotta take care of Philly <laughs> first but then then Tampa's the the biggest threat and then finally could you imagine if it's Robin Leonard and the Golden Knights against the Islanders in the Ooh. cup final Ooh, that man, Vegas is, a, Vegas is a scary, scary team. I would not want to yeah, tangle with them in the final. Sure. Some big boys there. And to wrap things up, we'll leave you with the question we ask all of our guests. What is your definition of cowboy shit? <laughs> What's my definition of cowboy shit? Um, all right, I'll tell you guys a quick story. <laughs> my friends back, back east always, always ask me this about, you know, what's it like traveling up and down the, the road with the PBR? Cowboy shit. I'm not going to reveal who this bull rider was, <laughs> and I would not encourage this to anyone else when they go to the bar or any restaurant establishment. But Chase there was Outlaw. One time I was at a. Nope, it was not Chase Outlaw. Um, <laughs> not Chase Outlaw. Um, I was once at a bar, and there was a rider who was proceeding to go around and take his beer bottle and slam it <laughs> on or glasses of beer and just shattering them everywhere. And I was looking at this guy, I'm like, now that is what I expected to see when I signed up to work in the PBR, <laughs> was some cowboy shit like that. And to his credit, I'm not going to reveal who he was, he picked up every bottle he broke and brought it back to the bar. So he didn't <laughs> leave the mess, which that blew my mind even more. <laughs> he went around, busted someone's beer bottle, Picked up the glass, put it back at the bar, and then did to someone else. So his mama raised him right. Picking a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so uh, he I was. I guess if I'm claiming cow, cowboy shit was 
a guy that was breaking beer bottles and then picking up said beer bottle and putting it back in the bar. <laughs> that so he was slamming the tops of the other beer bottles like that was what he was doing. I kind of you kind of cut out there. Yeah. Oh gee. And yeah. So he. Wow. Yeah, he would take his empty beer bottle and smash one of his friends' bottles or their, their little pint <laughs> of beer. And and I was young then. I was like looking around, like, my God, what is that guy doing? It was like, oh wait, protect my beer. So uh, that and then he's was just cleaning it up after. Cowboy shit I experienced. Yeah, so, he cleaned it up. That was a crazy thing. Like, so 2013. He was, he was a jerk to his friends. 2013 or 2014? Who was it, Wacy? What's our pool? Oh, I know. I, I we'll, we'll let him keep his his anonymous <laughs> level there. That's Anonymity. Got to protect the guys. Yeah, okay. That, that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing you guys know this too. When you work in uh, when you work in sports, you you protect your your athletes best you can. So, and I will say this. In all seriousness, these guys have been phenomenal to work with. They're all great guys. And uh, like I said, I would not encourage anyone breaking beer bottles in a bar <laughs> or an establishment. But as long as you're cleaning them up after. Shit moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, clean them up. That was, that was crazy. I was like, wow. Most crazy. people wouldn't so, clean them up after if they're acting like that. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. That, that's why I was like, whoa. Like, all right. Different. Different approach. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for doing this, Justin. This was a lot of fun, eh? We appreciate it a lot. Hey, of course, man. Anytime you guys want, we can definitely talk and uh, hang out. I'm always around. We'll have you on in another uh, 15 to 75 episodes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll make sure I uh, keep the playoff beard going. Yeah, deal. Yeah. Best thanks, of luck Justin. to the Islanders. Thanks. You bet. See you guys. See ya. Somebody said he came from New Orleans where he got in a fight over a Cajun queen and a crashing blow from a huge right hand sent a Louisiana fella to the promised land, Big John. Thanks again for listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. This is episode number 73. Thanks again to Justin Felisco for joining us. Great Man, how much was he sweating when the Flyers... Or Ooh. the Flyers forced Game Seven. Game Seven, and then yeah, but then they they got him for rip. In yeah, game New York's seven, a good team, man. He texts me after. He's like, "Whoo, did not eat my words in that one." <laughs> it was close. <laughs> I was going I was gonna tweet him uh, before Game Seven, but yeah, I uh, man, another set of predictions. What do we got now? I had I've had Tampa Bay since the beginning. I, I think it's gonna be Tampa Vegas. Tampa Vegas. Yeah, that's probably a good guess. Honestly, it's It'd funny. Be pretty cool to see uh, see the Islanders go. That, the thing about the New York though is like every round they've been counted out by who, the yeah. predictions people and they've came yeah. through so it'll be interesting to see i just think tampa if, bay's got their mixture right like what if Doug everly wins say. the wins the cup in edmonton so there was funny something funny <laughs> there's five the, five oilers that are in the final four that's insane pat maroon uh eberly 
Then uh, uh, Sekera for the for Dallas. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, anybody in Vegas? I don't know who would be in Vegas. Mm, I don't they, know. Didn't Vegas get Griffin Reinhardt in the expansion draft? I don't know for sure. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then who else would it be? There's a couple more too. Maybe I'm a Strom. I'm not Oilers fan, so fair enough. Isn't there a Strom on the Islanders too? Uh, or do you come from the Islanders? Oh, I think uh, Ryan is on the Islanders. Yeah, the one. So Ryan Strom, the one they traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't they trade Everly for him originally or something? Yeah, something like that. It came full circle. I yeah. don't know for certain, but... Sekera, that's funny. And then there's one more, Pitlick. I think Pitlick's on some, one of the teams, too. Anyways. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. Like, So you're going, who's going to win? Uh, I think, think Tampa Bay? Man, after watching that first game Dallas and Vegas, it looked crazy. It didn't look like... I didn't expect Dallas to oh, win. Oh, man. They're, uh, they're, people sleep on Dallas, and I think it's it's tough to do that when they have like guys like Heiskanen and yeah. Klingberg just like... It surprised, and the big, like the big bodies. It surprised the shit out of me when I heard Elliot Friedman say that he picked them like the start of the year. Mm -hmm. That was not anything. But I mean, I don't know enough, but like, that's just not what I would have expected. Yeah. It's going to be in the final four. It's kind of like, yeah. And you're getting like high end goaltending from your backup. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. So I don't know, man. it, I think, but it, but Colorado could have just as easily has won that series too. To that's what games that even Vancouver yeah, right. could have beat Vegas too. Yeah, really. They, that was, was a great. Wild. That was an unbelievable series, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was wild. So I don't know, man. I'd like to see New York get through, but I just think that cool. Tampa. Still I think, Tampa. I think Tampa is at a point where they're realizing their windows getting smaller and closing. And they gotta win. And they gotta go. So I think yeah. they're really chomping at it. And yeah. Headman's playing out of his mind. And they don't even have Stamkos right now, and he's no. they're still winning. Imagine so. with him too. Well, and Braden Point's something else. That guy's a freaking gamer. So Pretty I think, good I think at it'll hockey. be uh, Tampa Vegas, and I think that Vegas will win. Will Vegas will beat Tampa? I think so. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I still gotta go Tampa. They've. That's I fair. think they'll they'll take it. Uh Felisco probably betting on the Islanders. <laughs> he's got he says he's got money on like Eberly winning the Con Smythe or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Or somebody else. It was kind of a I forget what he said now, but that's it's, kinda neat. It's kinda sad because like since the flames gotten got kicked out, I haven't, haven't really been watching near as much. Yeah. I've been kind of turned into a part five. But we actually watched all three game sevens while we we're out on the houseboats. Oh, that'd have been cool. Yeah, it was, it was I fun. was gonna ask if you guys had TV. It was out funny because like all the boys who were cheering for the, their teams in the game sevens, all of the teams lost. <laughs> There's a guy streaming for Philly, Vegas, and or no, Vancouver and Colorado, and all oh, three really? of those teams lost. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So then you guys like, okay, like, away. Well, we had a bit of a delay, so like people were like getting updates on their phone before, and like our one buddy was a huge Avs fan. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he he wasn't looking at his phone, and then Uh-oh. someone someone just randomly we were all had been drinking at that point for so long. Somebody yelled out that Colorado had scored, and he was just like, you just see the dejection on his face. He was so sad. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, well, then, then what we uh, had a bull ride in Strathmore on the weekend. That was awesome. It's uh, good rides out of there. Yeah, really good rides. Strathmore, great event. Cool, great committee. Really great event there. We had a had a great great time. That's out a there. great rodeo venue. I oh would yeah, say it's Strathmore. Yeah, one of the best in the country. Yeah, one of the best in the country. Just then good, good finished up points. the events at Clooney the other day, and uh, and so I guess we're going back to the NFR. I gotta probably. I think I have to kind of walk back some of the comments I made last week about that being maybe irresponsible to do that finals with a bunch of people there. They had their fan survey, 40,000 people um, re- responded. So that, that's good sample size. Yeah. That number though, about the TV numbers where we said uh, like, if you had a hundred thousand people pay a hundred dollars, which there are those 40,000 people are going to spend probably at least a thousand dollars to go to this event. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of dollars to work with here on our streaming idea. So I don't know what, I don't know what it all looks like, but I mean, 40,000 people in one place is still... Quite a bit. 
38,000 too many probably than what yeah. you could do right now. Like I said before, when we were talking kind of prep, show prep, it's like, yeah. it's, like what scale they want to have it on. Like, yeah. you, you can have you a, can't do it at the Lazy E because no. you only have space for a thousand anyways. Yeah. Unless you sell a thousand dollar ticket every night for your, you know, 500 seats, people that are far enough apart. I mean, unless you can collaborate with venues off-site to well, like have like viewing parties, maybe. I heard something or? about maybe Cowboy Stadium. So you could have something at Cowboy Stadium where it seats like ninety thousand people, and you can have forty thousand, and you like actually have a way bigger audience, but you have them spaced out because it's such a big venue. Maybe yeah. I don't know. You could still have maybe twenty thousand at Cowboy Stadium if everyone's spaced out. I feel like the it's experience gonna really wouldn't wild. be any any good there. Know, that, it'd be like so that. far away. That's hey, like I mean, they have a yeah. humongous screen. Yeah. But one of the things about that is that when you're really down low, it's really hard to see the screen, especially if you're like in the arena underneath. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost impossible. You're looking straight up the whole time. So, yeah. so I don't know if they do it somewhere like like Arlington, if they can get away with that and make money at it and mm-hmm. have a big enough venue to have a Cowboy Christmas. Like it is kind of important to have. Well, I think it's extremely important to have the Cowboy Christmas because if you don't have that, you're not going to have your major sponsors involved. So, I, I mean, mean, if they can make it work, I gotta I gotta walk back and say like you know get get it done because i'm kind of like after this last weekend and after strathmore like looking at the events i gotta say like you know how do you have cross iron mills with 6400 parking stalls mm-hmm. like a tweet i put out on on sunday mm-hmm. without any parking stalls and at the mall and there's only you can only have 100 people at an event outside or 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 200 outside and 100 inside or something like yeah yeah like this is kind of like getting to where it's like if we can have the gray area seems like right yeah, all. yeah. If you can have all these people at this damn at this uh, at a mall and on, on some, on, and like some of them are size? not following social distancing protocols and all the restaurants. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's right by your house, Seventeenth Ave. They got like three of them got dinged, didn't they? Uh, I know my favorite bar in the whole world got a pee pee slap the other <laughs> night, which is I, I, their pee pee slap was well deserved because I'd been there and like it wasn't very. They're, good. they're, they're being a bit loosey goosey, so it'll be it'll be yeah. good to that they. And some folks up. aren't as concerned, right? Like I oh, I get part of it, but I mean, I don't know. I gotta say. If they can make an NFR happen and have some people at it, and if we can have some events up here, like I read a story from a, from a guy, uh, he's the CEO of Firehouse, like a, he's like a lighting company, okay. and he talked about how this, you know, our event business is kind of like all shot right now, which is which mm-hmm. it is, but like there's kind of almost, I don't know, I mean, if we can keep people safe at events with with a few people, like if we're going to like a like a, a venue like Edmonton, like Rogers Place, and you can have a hundred or a thousand people in that venue or you know, two or three, like if it's all spaced out, I, I just don't see, I just don't see there being an issue with that many For sure, people yeah. that's far apart. I so I th- I think we might be in, might be, might be getting towards better shape. It depends how this things go with school in these next couple of weeks. In the uh, there already was a case in Calgary at Bonas High School. Yeah. Well, like one. Yeah. And how many kids went back to school? Like probably oh, half sure. a yeah. million. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's pretty good. If that, it's the, the, I think the big, the biggest so thing, if they have like a, Big event with like the NFR and stuff and, gets in. Oh, it's a matter, matter of getting people to follow the protocols, like wearing well, but a they've mask already and had, social distancing. They've already had events at, like NASCAR's already had like thirty thousand at it was like Talladega or something like one of those. Really? Like this was like a month ago now. Oh, damn. they've already had people at these bigger venues. So I mean, yeah, I guess I, I got to take it back after last week. I know mm-hmm. uh, I don't think anybody really had any comments on on it too much. Some folks kind of agreed on in some ways, but like you know the TV rights thing. I think I still have a point there. For sure, but the number the numbers as far as people go, as long as they can keep people spaced out, I think I think we got to give it a whirl because mm-hmm. we gotta sure. gotta get some it's, stuff. It, going I think back it, here. it is feasible. I think it is. Yeah, they can probably make it work for sure. I think it's long, like I said, as long as the scale is taken into consideration and everybody kind of follows the rules, and they it can happen. 
Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, even the like, football stadium, I think it could work. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. NFL's back. That's that's exciting too this week. Starts on Thursday. I'm, I'm a football guy. You're not a football guy. No. But I'm well, that's cool. getting to be a football guy. I have a lot of friends who do like fantasy. I yeah. like what I like about fantasy stuff is like the punishments that come out of it. It's really funny. There are some good ones. My one buddy, like they're start, they draft this week, and their punishment is you have to do the Denny's twenty four hour hour challenge. Denny's twenty four. So you have to go to challenge? so you have to go spend twenty four hours at a Denny's. What? But you lose every for every pancake you eat, it cuts off an hour. So if you ate twenty four pancakes, you could leave instantly. Yeah, but that but unless otherwise you have to stay there for twenty four hours. <laughs> so I, which I think what is, if it's, it's absolutely genius, pancakes? man. What's that? What if they're the little dollar size pancakes? Like, is there a re- pancake size regulation? Well, just like the de- I don't know if Denny's has like regular pancakes. I don't know. Hmm. That, that, be, like, there's like, obviously like fine print you gotta make. Twenty four kid size pancakes and then GTFO. My other, the other funny one that I heard of is. <laughs> I think I told you this one about the guy. Like, if you when you lose, you have to do tryout for the Canadian bobsled team. That was his yeah, open tryouts. We've, we've mo- mentioned that one before. Oh, it's like so fun! It's so funny, man. Uh, the stuff like that. I, that's what I like about the fantasy aspect of it. Is you can just do something silly like that. Hmm. I saw a good one on Barstool. This guy had to like walk around with like uh, I suck at fantasy football thing, and these these guys were dressed up as nuns, and they're just like shame, shame, just like walking them down a busy street somewhere. Oh, wow. oh man, it was good. So. Oh man. I don't think I've got anything. What draft pick do you team. have? I don't know yet. I don't think you get to know till an hour before. Oh damn! Yeah. So we'll what place out. did you finish in last year? Mm, I don't actually remember. I don't think I was last, but I wasn't very far up. Do you guys have a punishment in your group? I don't think so. Lame. I know. I gotta. You should pitch that before the that. draft. Yeah. See what the deal is. Because it's, it's between a bunch of people that I know now. I was, like, I was uh, a new guy last year. How about they have to like learn a TikTok dance, Maybe. and post a video of it? Could be a thing. That'd be funny. Could be a thing. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been episode number 75, Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Get your merchandise, cowboyshit.ca, and uh, stay tuned because episodes 74 and 75 come up in the next month. Hope you guys had a great summer, and it's, uh, you know, by next show it'll be it'll be fall. So, uh, so thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire